Doug Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast producer of the month is Paul Lawrence. Thank you, Paul. Be just like Paul and get rewarded for supporting our podcast. For a set amount each month, you can get some colossal benefits, such as access to new podcast episodes before anyone else, even Gilbert. Of course, Gilbert doesn't listen to the yeah, episode. Yeah, I don't pay attention yeah, exactly. when I'm doing the interview. Exactly. Exclusive <laughs> podcast merchandise and video hangouts so you can see how beautiful we are. And just added, Gilbert will record a personalized roast of you and only you so you can share with your friends Gilbert telling you what a schmuck you are. Yes. It's a beautiful gift. Go to patreon.com slash Gilbert Gottfried. That's Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Gilbert Gottfried. Thank you for your generosity. This is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre, and we're once again at Nutmeg Post with the engineer, Frank Verderosa. Our guest this week is a stand-up comedian, an actor, and voiceover artist, and possibly the only guest we've had on this show who's as obsessed with old horror movies as yours truly. He's appeared in films like Ed Wood, Get Shorty, Bandits, and played Joey Bishop in HBO's Rat Pack movie, TV roles include Duckman, Home Improvement, and Family Guy, and he does the best hunts haul in the business. <laughs> Welcome to the Pitbull of Comedy, our pal Bobby Slate. <laughs> you know, thank you very much. You know, the, the hunts haul thing, you know, it's very funny, was that when I read for Ed Wood, you know, I wanted to do that movie so badly because, like you, I'm a tremendous horror movie fan. Now, when I say horror movies, you know, not the new stuff as much. I mean, I think the last great horror movie I loved was Nightmare on Elm Street. Or I, 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 I'm talking about the old Universal stuff and the old, you yeah. know, the Val Luton stuff and the Catwoman stuff. And I walk with the zombie and, and then and then Ed Wood, who had a special place in all our hearts. Because you and I, and I think Frank too, we grew up with Chiller Theater back sure. in the yes. 60s and 70s. Well, you're, and I, you're a local kid from Scarsdale. I'm from so Scarsdale. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, you know, I was born in the Bronx. Right. No, I was born in New York City. Lived in the Bronx Lines, too. And then grew up in Scarsdale. Chilla Theater had that monster the hand with the six-finger oh, hand yeah. coming out of the mud. Chilla. And then what it also had was, and when you're 10 years old, because you and I, Gilbert, are pretty much the same age, when you watch Plan 9 from Outer Space, which now everybody knows is horrible, but it's a cult classic. But when you're 10 years old, and my parents would leave me to babysit my two younger brothers, and I would be watching Chiller, and the lights are out in the house, and even though my parents are two blocks away playing Mahjong, and you see Vampiro walking at you. You remember? Oh, yes, from yes, night. yes. Okay. <laughs> so that movie scared the hell out of me. And they had, like, this gorilla. Yeah, we, we had it. <laughs> it was like a collage, and one was a gorilla. They had uh, uh, Attack of the 50-Foot Woman. And, Harry! And- 
Yeah, which right. he told, yeah. yeah. And right. I remember with that, you know, phony-looking guy in a gorilla suit right. with the vampire. And what I remember is my mother had a big coat. I think it was like, uh, like what was those old style coats? Uh, the gorilla coats. Yeah, what, what like a big mink or something? Yeah, not a, not a mink. Vicuna. Yeah, no, it was a cheap. Uh, she would never have a mink, but she had a big coat. That's where he got it from. And, yeah. and I used to put that coat on and pretend I was the gorilla in that chill theater. Robot monster. <laughs> robot monster. Yeah. Robot monster. That was a gorilla costume with a uh, an astronaut head. You know? Oh, yes, yeah. yes, and a bubble machine. Right, right. So anyway, so Ed Wood, when I heard they were making a movie called Ed Wood, I was actually in a hotel in uh, Sacramento. I was playing the punchline, and I'm reading this book, Nightmare in Ecstasy. Sure, about, oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I go, I have to read for this movie. So I go to read for the movie, and my part... Uh, and you know about Bella Ghost. At the end of his career, when he's doing all those horrible movies, he had the morphine addiction, he... You know, he screwed up, I think it was on the Milton Berle show. I, that, you know, Milton, yeah, Milton Berle, I was going to say that. Right. Milton Berle started ad-libbing, and, and, and he, he couldn't follow it. But he also did the Art Linkletter show, and he did the Red Skelting show. So what I, the writers told me was, my character was a composite of all these guys, and I'm playing the befuddled moron in a hat character. Like Larry and hey. Scott, who we had on the show. Right. Oh, yeah, I yeah. see. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Those guys were. Yeah. So I'm going to befuddle moron in a hat. So I'm thinking of Clem Cadiddlehopper. Hey! Even as a kid, I hated Clem Cadiddlehopper. I never found him funny. Yeah, and you know what's so, idiotic? What, what's so weird is that I was the same way. Like, I felt like I had to respect Red Skelton. Of course. But yeah. I never really laughed at Ray Never. Yeah. And I saw yeah. him years later at Caesars Tahoe because I was doing, I was playing the comedy club up there. And I saw him and he's Red Skelton. You know, he's a legend like Milton Berle. We all know Milton Berle was an asshole, but he's still Milton Berle. Yes. Okay. And <laughs> you got to respect the guy, even though he's an asshole. And uh, we'll get to Joey Bishop in a second. Sure. So anyway, I see the part says, befuddled moron in the hat. And there's no way that I'm going to go read for Tim Burton and do Clem Cadiddlehopper. Yeah. So I got a Hall hat and a yeah. Louie. Oh, hiya, fellas. Make me Walton. Oh, hey, hiya, Dracula. You know, whatever. Yeah. So I did that. And I said, if I don't get the part, I don't get the part, but I'm not going to go in there and do Clem Cadiddlehopper. Yeah. I'm going to do Satch. Yeah. And I got the part. Hilarious. And, uh, so that was, that was my big claim to fame. But here's what was amazing about the movie Ed Wood. Oh, but before I go on, mm-hmm. do you know that Leo Gorsi was was Jewish. <laughs> he was his well, mother was Irish. Yeah. His father was Jewish. He has to well, his point father, out. Bernard Gorsi, Bernard Gorsi, was, uh, was, yeah, ran the, ran the soda fountain. Yeah, yeah, Louis, Louis, Louis Dabrowski, Louis Dabrowski, yeah. and he was killed. You know, he was hit by in a, a car, car crash. Yeah. And and after that, Leo just fell apart. You know, there's a famous. I never saw it. I don't know if it's available anywhere. Uh, you ever see Leo Garcia? Uh, you know, he's on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Drunk. Oh, I think I did. It's yeah, like, it's got to be out there somewhere. You know? And and but I I know like when his father his father died in '55 in a car crash. Right. And and yeah, he never got over it. I was born in '55. No wonder my parents were so sad at my birth. Yeah, they were was big all about, Louis Debrusque. Was fan. all about Louis. Yeah, yeah. he big, he just he didn't care about anything. He was he <laughs> continued working, but he just didn't. He, care He's going to point out everybody who was Jewish, just yeah, so you have and, a heads up. But I, he, but I feel, <laughs> like, show. I feel like he's pointing at me. He's old. He's Jewish. He works, but he doesn't care. He was an alcoholic. This is me, Gilbert. You're talking one of those people. 
like, I'm that guy. I don't care. So basically, he was every Jew, shut him by the way. Yeah, every yeah, whether yeah, you lost your brother or not. But, he but he, he was a great, because I know you guys love showbiz stories. Here was the great thing about shooting Ed Wood and why Tim Burton is such a genius. And after Ed Wood was shot, <laughs> uh, Leo Garcia never got <laughs> over He never got over that either. Yeah. He had a tough he had a tough first time to me. But Plan 9 from Outer Space, you know, I, I, we, we, we did a scene. So we do that scene, and Martin Landau is Dracula, and I'm playing the Buffalo Moron in a hat, and I'm ad-libbing, I'm being Milton Berle. So as you know, because you've done a lot of movies, it takes days to shoot five minutes. Oh, yeah. You know? So, so I, I have no patience. I can't sit in my little trailer, which is half the size of this studio. So I'm walking around. They're shooting Ed Wood in these nondescript little old buildings uh, in the west side of L.A. So I'm walking around. And I walk into the one room where they're about to shoot that scene with Lugosi, Glenn or Glenda. And man, 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 what a man. You know, with the, with the shrunken heads. Remember oh, sitting yeah, there in that yeah, chair? Yeah. And after they shot the scene, I'm saying to myself, God, I want to take one of those shrunken heads. And I'm such a good guy, I couldn't steal it. But here was the best part. I, first day I'm there. I was, only, I was only on the movie for three days. I walk over to where they're recreating the graveyard scene where Tori Johnson comes out of the grave. Okay. <laughs> right. and they're recreating it. And I'm, I'm watching these guys. And there's union guys doing story boards and they're making those little cardboard crosses and they're making the graves and the trees and I come back the next day they're still working on it that must have ta- taken them it must have cost them a million dollars to do this. It probably cost Ed Wood oh, yeah. $35 <laughs> to do this Easily. whole thing. It probably cost to feed these union guys lunch, these teamsters, more money than the entire budget of Ed Wood put together. George but, the Animal Steals Swedish lessons exactly. cost more now, than... Now, uh, the, the wrestler yeah. in that, was that his voice... I, I don't remember. That's, I didn't work with he, that guy. I, I heard he took Swedish lessons to sound like Tor, yeah? but oh, I don't know if they dubbed him. I wasn't them. sure if that was his voice or not. Don't know. But he, but he was a, we'll he, ask Scott and Larry. But well, you know what was great? The three days that I'm working on that movie, this is such a thrill for me. And you know when you work on a film or you get to meet people in showbiz you grew up with that you love. So there's Martin Landau, and he's in his Dracula costume, and he doesn't want to sit in his trailer. And Johnny Depp could not have been a nicer guy. And Johnny doesn't want to sit in his trailer. So me and Johnny are sitting there... And Martin Landau, dressed up like Dracula, is telling us all these stories about Hitchcock because he worked on North by Northwest. That's right. Classic, one of the greatest movies of all time. And he's talking about all these films he worked on. He's talking about Mission Impossible. And then after about an hour, I brought up, and by the way, you were also in the Harlem Globetrotters go to Gilligan's Island. (laughs) Yes, he was. And Johnny was. And he goes, well, yeah, I did that too. (laughs) (laughs) With Barbara Bain. Yeah. Yeah. But but he actually was in that. But Johnny Depp was so cool that... um, you know, my daughter wanted to come to the set. My daughter was about five, ten at the time, or whatever. She wanted to come to the set to meet Edward Scissorhands. You know, and you have children. Yeah. And you know, when kids are little, you're not sure if maybe they're autistic because they watch the same crap over and over and over again. <laughs> and they go back and forth. And you go, I'm not sure if my kid, you know, they sit, they like to watch the same movies and the same TV shows. My daughter watched Edward Scissorhands 30 times. So now I'm doing this movie, Ed Wood, with Edward Scissorhands. And my daughter goes, Daddy, I have to go meet him. And I take her to the set, and I swear to God, on my wife's life, so if I'm lying, I still win. I take my daughter <laughs> I take my daughter to the set, and she meets Johnny, and he could not have been a, a more of a gentleman. And she says to me, he looks nothing like Edward Scissorhands. Johnny goes to his trailer. He had one of the gloves. He was actually doing a photo shoot that week. And he came out with the glove 
gloves? And he said, yeah, yeah, you want a haircut, kid? You want a haircut? And he says, chasing my daughter, and she's screaming. That's when you needed cell phones with cameras, because it was a moment that I just— You didn't get a shot. I didn't get it. Yeah. But I showed you, I got a shot of Robert England. That's a good one. You know, we'll, I put it up. Th- we'll put it up on social media, yeah, that a was shot a of you one. and your daughter and Robert England. Yeah. Yeah, I, I worked with Robert in uh, The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Oh, my God. The movie that you, you got my part. Yes. <laughs> how did you? How well, did he get your part? I thought it was Howard Stern's part, but <laughs> no, he didn't wait, want well, it. You know what? I forgot about that. Well, Gilbert should have got it. No, but I don't get very many movies, and everything I read for, I've. I'm talking about this in my book, which I'm not going to plug now because it's not done. But it's basically called Forty Years of Showbiz Hell because I've come so close to getting so many things, and. Three times, again, not exaggerating, on my wife's life, once again, I lost, <laughs> at least twice, I'm exaggerating, I lost a part to two big fat black guys. Now, <laughs> if I lose, okay, when I lose a part to you, I'm going, okay, he's a short, psychotic Jew, okay? he's right. different than me, but we're close enough where, oh, God damn it, but a big fat black guy. Johnny I'm, Brown they, from, they went, from, yeah, from Good were, Times beat you they, out of- They, they were a whole different way. <laughs> but the Fort Fairline part, you played the disc jockey, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, I've lost a few parts to you, but the one thing, you, you do a lot of voiceover work. I was, you ever, do you remember, I asked you this before we started the show, did you ever remember reading for the part of the Pink Panther when they made him talk? No, I never, I, I don't think I ever read for that. Really? So there's one yeah. you didn't lose to him, Bob. Yeah. Well, well, tell us well, about that. Probably. I will tell you, Frank, uh, that the Pink Panther, you know, never spoke, as we know. So they did, right after Roger Rabbit came out, which at the time was groundbreaking animation with live action. I mean, Uncle Remus, and they did, of course, Gene Kelly dancing with, you know, they'd done it before. But when Roger Rabbit came out, it was really, they, they took it to another level. And when people are interacting with the animated character. So MGM, CBS, came up with this show. Oh, I remember where, this. You do remember this? Yeah, in the 90s, a guy named Kelly Ward but, was the guy who developed the show. It was never shown. It was right. Never hey, I'm the, the, getting a mental block now. What? My my character's name in Fort Fairlane, Johnny. Oh, you got me. Oh God. Wow. It should have been Johnny Slayton just to put another yeah. to twist the knife on my back oh, a little God. bit more. No, this is our, our researcher will look, look it, up. it up. But back to the Panther. Yeah. And the ill-advised idea to have the Pink Panther yeah, he speak. Reminds, he reminds me of my wife when I'm about to have an orgasm. Did you feed the dog? I, <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? And the big crescendo of the, my not really a good story to begin with, <laughs> Gilbert has to come in and get back to him. Like, it's his show. He sensed it was it was, the story wasn't going anywhere. No, anyway. Yeah, wait, this is horrible. Oh, wait, What's Dar- my character, Dara's, Johnny? Dara's looking it up. Ford Fairlane. The part that I should have had, Dara. <laughs> look, look that up. Johnny Crunch. Johnny Crunch. Oh my God! Now you bring hit, up. Hit I remember pay that. Pay dirt with K dirt. You know, Gilbert, <laughs> yes. Gilbert, okay. you're, you're killing me here because I remember oh. paying an acting coach two hundred dollars. I remember getting into becoming J- Johnny Crunch. I became you the character. You paid an acting coach. <laughs> Just I think those acting coaches are like the biggest fucking scam. I think what you said, Gilbert, you paid for anything. Yeah, yeah, you don't need acting yeah, coach attached yeah. to that. Just you paid. Yeah, that paid, right there, he's freaking out. Paid for a can of soda. <laughs> you know. Let me see if I have this right. Hey, you paid for an acting coach to get to get you a shot at a part in Ford Fairlane that Gilbert got. Yeah, and yeah. I didn't pay and got the part. I know. Why now listen to me. Twist the knife more. <laughs> much Wait, much a, like can me. Have, can we have some salt? I get a little cut. <laughs> Right yeah. Here. Can you bring some much, salt into the studio? Much like me, you don't like Hammer films all that oh, much. Oh, let's get back to monsters. You know, I, that that's sacrilegious to real monster people. 
Yeah. I, I, I don't. Okay. Now, you and I, like I said, we grew up with Chiller Theater, million dollar movie, which we would have the giant behemoth, Mothra, you know, and all. Oh, yeah. It, it came from beneath the sea, all that Harryhausen stuff, which, oh, by yeah. the way. Oh, we talked oh, about that. Oh, yeah. of fun. The Harryhausen Harry uh, He was a god, you know. He was a, I know Willis O'Brien and Marcel Delgado before that, but basically, Harryhausen with us. One of the greatest things in the history of film is. Well, at, Harryhausen was. I think a disciple of Willis O'Brien. I believe that's true. Mighty Joe Willis Young. They O'Brien. worked together. Yes. And, and 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 Marcel Delgado, who did a lot of the silent film stuff, in the, and 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 Willis O'Brien in the Lost World. But what Harry Housen did, it's almost like the Rolling Stones. Yeah, you took from Chuck Berry, and yeah, you took from Robert Johnson, but you took it to another level, and you're better than them. In, but if it wasn't for them, you wouldn't be where you are. But you know. What Ray Harryhausen did, I think the three of us will agree on one thing. The skeletons in Jason and the Oh, it's yeah. terrifying. The not sword fighting skeletons. Yeah. But to do that, Gilbert and I, and I'm speaking for Gilbert right now, I don't think <laughs> we could sit for more than 10 minutes on one conversation. Can you imagine <laughs> sitting <laughs> in your garage with 30 skeletons that this, are falling apart is... under a hot lamp yeah. with, with your wife yelling, it's time for dinner, and, and trying to get this done? Fighting? In search now, of a segue. I heard in that remake of The Lost World with Charles Law, not Charles, Charles, Charles Claude Rains. Claude Rains, they did the remake of The Lost World, and um, it was in color, like Technicolor, and I think I think Pat Boone may have been in it. But I, I, I remember see. Pat Boone in, I, in uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth. Oh, yeah. maybe that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah maybe the, that's wait, it. Wait, wait, was that yeah, with the Rat Bat Spider? Yeah. The Sangre but so. the, oh, no, no, the no. remake right. of The Lost World with Claude Rains as the professor, which was awful, and I heard that they hired Willis O'Brien for it. He was looking forward to doing it. Like now he'd have all the money to do the stuff he really wanted. And they basically just wanted his name there. And they put in those fucking uh, filmed lizards. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh yeah. I hated uh, oh, that. That was, well, that was horrible. That yeah. was horrible. Yeah. I hate, as a little kid, uh-huh. I'd get mad. <laughs> When they'd have like a little lizard, the, the salamanders, and yeah. they put a little uh, thing on his neck, like yeah. it looked like a velociraptor. Yes. Yes. They taped it on, <laughs> but they did that in the Lost World. They did the same crap. It was awful, you know. And, and then you get the Corman movies. He did Teenage Caveman with Robert Vaughn. No, yeah. but in yeah. the original Silent Lost World, they were that doing was, stop action. They were amazing. That was Which, was that Willis or is that uh, that was Delgado? that was Willis O'Brien? Yeah, was. An Caveman. amazing. Stop but Harryhausen, when he did that stuff, and to this day. I will still watch it. And you even like the latter day Harryhausen, like the Clash of the Titans and no, that no, stuff. No, no, no. I, no, I don't. I didn't like the movies, but I like what he redid. And he did, you know, all the his animation was just mm-hmm. so cool. And mm-hmm. I still, you know, when they started doing the Mummy with the, you know, with the, with, with all the thousand mummies and that computer animation crap. Yeah. But when I moved to San Francisco, I started doing stand up when I was. I moved there when I was 21, back in the 70s. And I wanted to see all these things in San Francisco. I wanted to see Haight-Ashbury. The first thing I wanted to see was the ferry building with the octopus. And it came from beneath the sea. And his arm went down (laughs) Market Street. Fast forward 30 years later, I take my daughter, Natasha. She's five years old. I take her to New York. We go to the Empire State Building. She says to me, Daddy, 
where did King Kong, which side did he walk up? Which side of the building did King Kong walk up? And I said, this is, this is my daughter. That's your kid. You know, you know, I turned my daughter on to so many horror movies. I don't know. I'm sure you've tried to do that with your children. Oh, yeah. Well, Had you, your wife stopped you at my, all? My, my proudest moment with my son yeah. was um, he was watching The Three Stooges, and I think he was like four or five at the time. He's watching The Three Stooges, and very seriously, he says, Shimp looks like Lon Chaney Jr. and the Wolfman. How great is that? And I thought, you don't need any DNA testing okay. after that. Okay. Okay. That's my kid. The greatest thing my daughter ever said, and she was probably five or six years old, and I actually tried to put it in my act, but nobody would laugh at this but you two. My daughter, we're watching King Kong for the 10th time, and my daughter says to me, Daddy, why would they take a gorilla back from Skull Island when you can get a dinosaur? I've seen gorillas. <laughs> Is that of a line? That is perfect. But, and then I said, you know, why would you take a gorilla back? I mean, look, if if you found out that there was a 50-foot gorilla or a brontosaurus (laughs) or a T-Rex, and then I said, well, you know, a T-Rex can't walk up the Empire Staple thing, there'd be no story. I mean, if you're really going to sit and reason this moronic conversation out, but the fact that she said that, and you know what scared her more than anything? Me and Frank were talking about this the other day. The house on Haunted Hill with Vincent Price, Roger, yeah. Roger Corbin. Right, right. The one in Emerjo where they would bring the, uh, I that think was, that was. That was I, the Tingler they did. No, the t- Tingler was in, uh, that was the tingler, one where they wired the, the seats. the buzzer under the, the buzzer. seat. Oh, Emerjo oh, yeah. was when they had the ghost right. that came out was, on the clothesline. Well, that was before our time. Right. Well, I well, read they, about that. They did it at the film forum about you hear 10 about years that ago. In Famous Monsters, you'd read about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of your son, tell Bobby what happened when Max met Sarah Karloff at the, at the, oh, at, at the uh, convention. We we were at, I was doing like a convention, and Sarah Karloff was there at the convention. I, I was visiting one of these conventions. Sarah Karloff was there, Boris's daughter, right? And you know, it was all like pictures of him as the Frankenstein monster. And and we, I said to my son, who's like was like about three or four. I said, "Oh, this this is Boris Karloff's daughter." And he looked at the Frankenstein picture and goes, "You don't look like your father." <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's, that's that's great. You know, and you, and you know the fact you guys are horror fans. You know, I showed you before we went on. You know, I I have a picture on my phone, a phone case of Karloff yeah. from the original Frankenstein. I'd also like to point out to our listeners that you're sitting here in a Rondo Hatton T-shirt. Oh yeah. By the way, this T-shirt I've not worn since I went to a chiller convention in New Jersey, maybe ten years ago, where I bought an original Basil Gogos uh, painting, a chalk drawing, uh, a charcoal drawing of the creature, which is still to this day my most prized possession. And Bless your heart. If you don't know Rondo Hatton, the most recent <laughs> they turn off movie, this show. That's the right. most recent Shame movie. On you. Would be the Rocketeer. 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 Rocket, Rocket, oh, Rocketeer. The Rocketeer. Rocket, where they right. made up a guy to look, look like, like Rondo Hatton. I thought that was Who so cool. died of acromegaly. Yeah. Right. Well, right. Mickey Dolan is his mother. We had, remember we had him on and he said his mother worked with Rondo Hatton? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. His mother was an actress. I can't that's remember. Why, the film. That's why Mickey has that big chin. Right. Without she's loving Leno. Here's a story I heard that the, uh, the English guy from the Jeffersons. Oh, Paul Benedict. Yes. I heard he was doing a play or something, and a doctor came up to him afterwards and said, uh, I was watching you in the play, and he figures he wants an autograph. And he goes, I think you may have acromegaly. 
Yeah, we've told that on the show. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, because he had like a long face and big hands and all that stuff. A long face? Maybe he was just sad. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he didn't like the play. A guy that walks was too in, obvious. I'm sorry. A guy with acromegaly walks <laughs> into a bar. The bartender says, why the long face? By the way, uh, uh, can you imagine if Gilbert wasn't drunk, how great the show would be? <laughs> You know, by the they way, have wine here. I, 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 I really, I felt, when I wore this shirt and I said to both of you, and I, I, I insulted you. I go, you know what this is? You couldn't have said Rondo had Alice Cooper the same way. I, I, I wore this years ago when I met Alice because I'm a big Alice Cooper fan. And I, as soon as I walked backstage, Rondo had the creeper. Right. You know, you're not going to get that from a lot of women. Aren't going to know stuff oh, like yeah. that? You know? I know Rondo Hatton from a Drew Friedman strip. Now, Just now another another guy I want to get on the show. There's a guy from Metallica. Oh, uh, oh like yeah. Kirk oh, Hammett. Kirk Hammett. Yeah. Oh my God. He's supposed to be a monster freak. Oh my God. He's got. Um, you you knew you should have on. He lives in L.A. Ron Borst. You know Ron Borst. You must know Ron yeah. Borst was friends with Forey Ackerman. You know famous. Oh, okay, yeah. sure. And Ron has the complete. Uh, he has a store, Hollywood Book and Poster. Um, Oh, there's two stories. Yeah, I think it's Hollywood. Uh, Hollywood Book Poster. I used to buy posters from him back in the 70s. And I used to buy a lot of horror movie posters. And I bought a Plan 9 from out of space, like $20. And I remember paying like $50 for Attack of the 50. And how much did you pay that acting coach? That's what else. For the part you didn't been, get. And it wasn't, I just wanted to get. I just, I just want to keep bringing that up. And the funny thing was, I'm not sure the part even paid as much as for, I paid that acting For my Johnny Crunch part <laughs> that I didn't Crunch. pay a dime for. Uh, and never, you paid $200. It, it might have only been 100 <laughs> It does, I don't remember. He'll never let me forget this. No. Hey, uh, hey. Well, and one thing, another thing we have in common is we both love Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. The greatest movie. I, I Dana Carvey, too. Favorite movie of all time. The greatest movie. That's one movie I watched with my daughter. Did your kids watch that a lot? Uh, no, I don't think they've seen it yet. How could I, they have to, it? I have to show that to Bob, them. Bob made an argument yesterday on the phone that it's the greatest American film. Of all time. Yeah. yeah. It's my favorite movie of all time. Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein. I mean, look, we all love Abbott and Costello. First of all, tell me a better Abbott and Costello movie than no, that. No, no. That's, that's I, I like the time of their lives. You know, but time of lives. But that's just, uh, yeah. Time of lives is great. Yeah. When he couldn't walk through the door. Yeah, I like that one that because it's sweet I, and well made. Wistful Widow of Wanking Gap. Tell me, my soup speaks with, for itself. With Marjorie Mr. Maine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, I love all there, the- There is, like, see, I love, I laugh at Abbott. The most when I watch Abbott and oh, Costello, yeah. he's totally underrated. Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely! How funny Abbott is, and there's one part where they're doing the thing where Costello is trying to explain Frankenstein and Dracula, right. and you, yeah. <laughs> and he's like waving his arms around like right. Frankenstein, like Dracula, and Abbott at one point just goes. Okay, okay, put your hands down. <laughs> For no reason. And if, if you know, if you notice, That's great. He calls him Abbott instead of Chick. He goes Abbott. He, Chick, oh. and then he goes Abbott. Oh, that's great. He called, I never caught there, it. There was there was a lot of, and I got to admit, I went on IMDb and I I noticed. I, but I, even when I was a kid, I noticed the fact that Lugosi, Dracula, twice. 
his reflection was in the mirror. Oh, As a yeah. kid, I noticed that. You've seen you, it so many times, you're somebody, finding the gaps. Somebody, well, when he walks down the, right. the steps, you see his reflection in the mirror. And when he's up there with uh, Sandra, and she's about to hypnotize him, and she's just sitting he there. He leans in to yeah. her, and they... He's, yeah. His reflection's in the mirror up there. Um, and you know the famous thing in Abbott and is Frankenstein, the famous, that there was a scene where, you know, uh, the monster... Glenn Strange had hurt his back. So it was Lon, Lon Chaney Jr. Right. It was a monster yeah. throwing the nurse out the window. Yeah, and that's where he like kind of swings his arms exactly. back and forth. Well, well Gilbert and I talked that it's actually scary for a comedy when you're a kid, when he picks up that nurse. It's and tosses yes. her out the window. It's scary. It's, it's yeah. actually scary. Yeah, that scene where he throws her out the window, it was Lon Chaney Jr. It was really the only really... thing missing in that movie is Karloff. Well, but you know, it's, it's picky, if, uni. It's, if it's, you really want to be picky, the only thing missing, and it's fine, is Claude Rains' Invisible Man and not Vincent Price. Instead of Vincent Price. <laughs> right. They couldn't get Claude Rains. He was that busy? Was Herbert Lom taking his job? What, what, was, what was he so busy Herbert, doing? Herbert oh, Lom. Hey, this is important. Herbert Lom was a Jew. Oh, good. Let yeah. me make oh, a note yeah. of that. As was Peter Sellers. <laughs> okay. Well, that I knew. <laughs> was Peter Sellers a Jew? <laughs> I, you know. Sometimes in honor of Rosh Hashanah. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I wish we could have done this at the Friars Club. I know they were booked, and yeah. you know, but it, I think that would have been more distracting. I like the fact that we're in this little solitary studio. But Abbott Costello meets Frankenstein. When my daughter was little, we watched this movie over and over and over again. And the, the fact that Karloff didn't do it, I mean, it was just... Glenn Strange was fine, but you know people would the say... The bartender from Gunsmoke. Yeah, bartender. Glenn exactly. Strange, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He didn't have he, much to do. He was on the cover yeah. of Famous Monsters a bunch of times. Yeah. You know? And when you were a kid, he was still really scary. But, you know, Carlos never goes, yes, master. No. You know, that's where I think that whole Aurora Monsters thing with the arms stretched out. Because Carlos never acted like that. Yeah. Gilbert's you know? got a poster where, in his where living room. it started. Where it started, the outstretched arms was, was Lugosi oh, that in was Frankenstein that meets the Wolfman. Wolf oh, was that horrible? Was he supposed yeah. to be blind? Was originally is that in true? The I never knew that. Yeah, that's great. In, in Ghost of Frankenstein, the monster goes blind at the end because the brain doesn't match the blood. And you know, and and he's Igor's brain is in the body, and it's like. Frankenstein, Awful. you played on me a trick. What good is a body without eyes to see? <laughs> and so in Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman, the, the script was originally that he's blind. And that's why he's walking with outstretched arms. Yeah, well, he was blind. The guy that wrote the script and directed it. That was the real, in real life. But, it's not and, good. And you know what? After Son of Frankenstein, I, I can see where Karloff called it quits because, you know, you think the guy, first of all, in the first Frankenstein movie, you know, he got no credit. The yeah. monster? Yeah. Right, the monster, mark. sure. Question mark. Okay. By the third movie, they put him in a big vest, probably borrowed oh, from your mother. That, yes. Yeah, the vest. <laughs> yes. It was your mother's vest. coat. You, well, why do you have a vest? They found him. He had this giant, you know, uh, like, remember that? Yeah, Karloff yeah. hated yeah. the vest. You mean that, that, vest? Weird, that weird fur vest kind of thing? Yeah, weird, yeah. Why yeah. Yeah. He vest? said yeah. they mucked him up with furs. He was like Jerry Garcia yeah. with the vest. <laughs> but, by the way, Bride of Frankenstein... It is one of the few movies where, just like The Godfather 2, where the sequel. Oh, yeah. Better Fantastic. Than the, I mean, the first film is 
genius. Yeah. yeah. But Brian Frankenstein was great, but I, I, I never did really get Dr. Pretorius. I never really did get <laughs> the little <laughs> king. Very, we, he's we, very we, freaky. With the tweezers. Once, once you realize that James Whale was gay, oh, then, then you understood Pretorius. <laughs> right. You didn't see Gods and Monsters? <laughs> and, you, and you understood I, Uno Connor, I got too, it. Right. for that matter. Right. Right. I liked Uno Connor. When, the, when he came out of the window. <laughs> yeah. And that... Uh, I, the, I like Cloris know, Leachman as Una O'Connor. Yeah, 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 that was great. But there was no reason to do. You know, sometimes like like Weekend of Birdies 2 is better than Weekend of Birdies 1. Who doesn't like Weekend of Birdies 2? I mean, what? I'm now, not taking, now you're going too far. I am not, yeah. not taking away from Weekend of Birdies 1. But 2, uh, uh, and I'm not going to tell you about 3. That would be a spoiler alert. But hey, don't hey, do can that. you hum the music from Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein? The, no, but I thought you were going to have the TV show. Da 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 Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein is a better horror movie than House of Dracula that came before it. With John Carradine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. John Carradine, yeah. Uh, Glenn Strange, and yeah. Janie. It's not, a better not, horror movie than a lot of those sequels. Oh yes, yeah. you know, yeah. fair you know to say. What, see, you know, you know, you know what upset me. I can't believe people listen to this. That's why I love your audience because <laughs> I, I don't know <laughs> who else. So many things, I don't know who else would even if I was on any radio show, any podcast, anywhere. Uh, people go, what are these people talking about? <laughs> but the fact that you don't think they're talking like about this shit, <laughs> I, 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 I could do this show every day. You don't think if, people even are... if you're not here. <laughs> You don't think other podcasts are talking about Uno O'Connor and Gus no, no. <laughs> and Rondo Hatton? No, no, but these people. And are- and while before I forget, I'm still searching for Pappy Han Susu. <laughs> she was the girl not, in not Zuzu, full not metal jacket. Not Susu Pitts. No. Not Susu Pitts. Huh? No, no, that's the part you lost and you no, paid two hundred dollars to an acting coach yeah. to get, and Zazu. I got it, and I didn't even pay for lunch. <laughs> I didn't even go to McDonald's. <laughs> no, he's trying to find the girl from Full Metal Jacket, yeah. the one that says, yeah. me so horny. Me so horny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm trying to find her. You know, it's so funny. That was something. <laughs> me so horny, me love you, five dollar. That was something that stuck in my head over the years. And I finally went to Vietnam. And I, wa- I wasn't married. And I said, I don't really like hookers. But I went up to one. And she said, a hundred dollar. A hundred dollar, and it wasn't five dollar anymore. It went up to a hundred dollars. Inflation. Obama. Yeah. Fucking Obama. <laughs> That's major inflation. A Vietnamese hooker for a hundred dollars. And I paid for the acting coach. And what do I have? No money. Yeah. I pay. Only pay for everything. Back then, a uh, Vietnamese hooker would have been like five cents five for cent. a month. Five cents. Yeah. But, um, but you know, you know, it's great though. Let me ask you this, Gilbert and Frank. You can chime in any time. No, I don't want Frank to <laughs> talk. Just watch it, please. Well, Frank, with your podcast, don't ask Frank to say anything. <laughs> okay. Don't you love having people on your podcast yes. or meeting people or working with people that those oddball characters you work with? Like, you know, I've done a lot of movies and I've worked with a lot of major stars, and so have you. But I remember when I first went to LA and I did a couple of TV shows and I met some famous people and it was. Great, you know, you're young. But I remember driving down Santa Monica Boulevard and stopping at a light 
And there's Otis Campbell, Otis the Drunk, Hal Smith. Hal Smith. Oh, my Hal Smith, God. Yeah. Now, we're talking about, I, I guess, late 70s. Yeah. And he still looked like Otis. Yeah. yeah. You know, because, you know, he really had become Otis. Yeah. You know, probably in the 50s or 60s when he played Otis, it's like Captain Kangaroo. He always looked old. Yeah. But the older he got, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. less makeup he had to put on. Yeah. But the time Captain Kangaroo died, he really looked like Captain Kangaroo. He worked a lot, Hal Smith. Yeah. So, but, you know what was yeah. horrible? When they did the TV movie Return to Mayberry, yeah. where they brought back all the original cast. Oh, I remember that. And and Otis now had given up drinking. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 That was horrible. PC. Yeah. That was horrible. He's in The Great Race, another movie that uh, we've talked about. Oh, on The Great show. Race. How, to, 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 yeah, Hal, Tony Hal Smith shows up as the, as the mayor of this of the western oh, town, Baracho. But, but when I pulled up next to him, he goes, I go, I go, Otis. And he was straight. He goes, how do you know me? I go, because you're Otis, you I, know? And I like seeing those guys, you know, right before he died, you know, in, my, in, in L.A., when I shop at Gelson's, I would see at least once a week Kevin McCarthy. Oh, you know, wow. You know, in his yeah. 80s. And I could not help but do this, and I'm sorry, but I, I'd see him and i go, they're here! They're here! <laughs> well, now you got it. <laughs> Wait, it gets better. It gets better. So, so my wife goes, why do you do stupid things like that? My daughter would get so embarrassed. Okay, So one time I'm at Gelson's, and Kevin McCarthy... I think we're the, he's looking for like for garlic or something. They were out of garlic, <laughs> and the guy says, "I gotta go get some more garlic in the back." I said, "It's here! It's here! The garlic!" And you're next. And I'm sure, just, no one ever yelled that at him. No, I used to pull you, that shit in LA. You know, um, uh, I, you know, in in the aristocrats, in one part, I said like. You know, uh, they did the whole thing. This By the way, I'm an, I'm an aristocrat, yes, too. Yes, I, I just want to let you know. And Are you Frank an aristocrat? I am not. Then you stop. And, you're not part of this And I said in one of the <laughs> in one of the variations I, where I'm talking, you know, guys fucking the dog, blah, right. blah, blah. And I said, uh, this is a common practice in the house of character actor Kevin McCarthy. So somebody who worked on the aristocrats knew Kevin McCarthy. He was a hundred at the time. Right. And he's told him this. And he says, you know, he talks about, you know, fucking his daughter and getting blown by his son. And he says, this is uh, common <laughs> practice from character actor Kevin McCarthy. And Kevin McCarthy said, uh, well, that's offensive. And he goes, well, yeah, Gilbert has a habit. And he goes, I'm not a character actor. I'm a lead. <laughs> Don't you love that? Wow. <laughs> wow. You know, you know, uh, yeah. when, I, when, I, I, when I first met Shelley Berman, and I, I, I should have said it because he was a very eccentric kind of – I was playing the improv in San Francisco when there was an improv, and Shelley came in. I go, didn't you used to be Shelley Berman? What do you mean? Oh. I go, no, 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 no. I, I, I probably should have said that to him. Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget to follow us on our Facebook page, Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast, on Twitter at RealGilbertACP, and on Instagram, GilbertPodFried, P O D F R. I-E-D. You see, it's kind of a pun on the last name. Ah, never mind. As long as we're talking about old comics, I mean, you you hung out with Buddy Hackett, with Rickles. You told me you had a Hackett story. I have a Hackett story. Oh, God, this is a great Hackett story. Um, 
Because Gilbert, you love the old comics. Oh, we yes. all do. We yes. all do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And again, when I called Milton Berle an asshole earlier, you know, the one Saturday Night Live that Laura Michaels refused to release, and I, I, I think I asked Bill Murray about it when I met him. That Berle came on. It's the finally set of the on television. the box set. Yeah. It finally came it, it out. Did come out. Yeah, finally. And I, I don't. I don't know how it looked after. But he's telling everybody what to do, where to put the lights. I know you missed the television, but you know what? These guys know what to do. They have yeah. a successful TV show. So, Buddy Hackett, I have never been a fan of the Friars Club Roast. Not, not, not the ones, I know that's your specialty, but where I always had a problem was I did one with Hal Roach, and I did one with Mickey Rooney, and I did one with Jackie Cooper, and I go, who am I to make fun of these people? You oh, know, yeah. We, we, now, you became, uh, you, and I love when you do it, you, you're the highlight of those, and the late, great Greg Giraldo and Jeff Ross, yeah, it's Greg great. Greg was great. And I don't... I don't, it's fine when you're, and you, you probably can understand this, when you're making fun of fellow comics, but when you're making fun of showbiz icons, how do you, um, you know what I mean? I, I heard that's the reason Don Rickles was always putting off those roasts, because he figured, like, everybody he worked with is dead. Exactly. When he made fun of Sinatra, and Reagan made fun of Lucille Ball, and when, and when you know, these people were all peers. So I remember... When I did the few at the Beverly Hilton in L.A., you know, we did one for Hal Roach. And there's, like I said, there's Red Buttons, there's Buddy Hackett. And I go, who who the fuck am I to make jokes oh, yeah. about these people? You know? And I remember when Dean Martin was doing them, where it was like a weekly show. Right. And that, you know, you'd see like Gary Coleman roasting Orson yeah. Welles. <laughs> Lawanda like, Page. Hitting okay. yeah. <laughs> Austin Wells with a perch. That's right. She does, Ruth, Ruth Buzzy hits Austin Wells with a perch. Yeah, yeah, she hits Sinatra. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Almost knocked his piece yeah. off. That was, that, that was, that was, yeah, so I didn't like that. So I'm up on that dais. And here's what I hate, too. You know, you make it funny. And then you have to sit up there for hours. And everybody's sitting up there and they're making fun of each other. So... I'm roasting. I, I got my stuff written. I think it was Hal Roach or Jackie Cooper. And, and I'm doing the thing. And I'm just trying to get through this. And it's going okay, as I recall. And the one or two jokes I had, Buddy Hackett was sitting there. And he might have been a little buzzed. It's okay. And he stepped <laughs> on my joke, which I didn't care. It's funny. You got to laugh. Whatever. I just want – everything went fine. The next day, Buddy Hackett calls me up and he says, listen, I'm sorry that I ruined your – I go, it was fine. He goes, no, I really feel bad because, you know what, you're a young comic and I should have been making fun of you. I said, if you really feel that bad, Buddy, you should take me out to lunch because I, I want Buddy Hackett to yeah, take me out to lunch. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so it happened <laughs> – this is great. It happened to be a week where I like to drink and I drink a bottle of wine every night. I cook dinner. And when I play comedy clubs, I knock up a bottle of vodka for a week. But I had a week where I wasn't drinking and I was going to the gym every day. I hired a personal trainer. Between that and my acting coach, yeah. I had nothing left. I had nothing left but my health. And I, you hired that trainer <laughs> for Fort Farrell. Right. I just wanted yeah. to be able to beat yeah. you up to get in that part. <laughs> so, okay. So, so I, I call up Buddy Hackett. I call up Buddy Hackett. You know, I'm in the valleys and Beverly Hills right over there and I said where do you want to go for lunch she goes why don't you come to my house tomorrow at noon I will go to lunch from there and I'm thinking well it's kind of I can just meet you somewhere I go to I had worked out I took a shower feeling great hadn't drank in five days which is a lot for me I go to Buddy Hackett's house. I knock on the door. I go in there. The blinds are drawn. He's sitting there in the living room with Louie Nye. 
Okay. Oh, the story wow. just gets better. Here's wow. what's great about Buddy Hackett's house. And I've never been to your house, Gilbert, but if you want to have a couple of posters up, I remember the late, great Rick Jenny. People said they'd go to his house and his American Comedy Award is sitting there as soon as you walk in. You know, if you're a real actor, and a lot of people don't even, they dis- you want to have a display room and a display case, but as soon as people walk in, we know who you are, we know what you've done. Buddy Hackett's house, it's all white. It's a real Jew-Italian yeah. thing. Yeah. White carpet. <laughs> Everything's white. It's really, it's, it's, it's a horrible. It's like, uh, like, you know, it's like THX 1138. Exactly. Yeah. What it was like. Yeah. Like, and he has Rolodexes on the bar of him with all the pictures, the entire living room. I'm talking about a living room. Picture of him with Carson. We know what you've done. And sitting, he, him and Louie are sitting in the living room <laughs> with a giant bottle. They have glasses full of booze. And But he says, hey, somebody are drinking. I said, you know what? I'm actually not drinking this week I'm, I just want to go to lunch and he said well when you drink what do you drink I go I drink vodka he goes to the bar he pours me not a a giant tumbler a lemonade <laughs> like, a, like it's a big slurpy thing of vodka at noon and I'm going and him and Louis and the, and the blinds it's like a hideout it's like it's like after a bank heist you know it's like Louis and the boss hiding up hiding up from Superman There's, it's a beautiful sunny day out. so they're drinking and I take a couple of sips of vodka and I'm trying to be as diplomatic as I can. I want to get out of there. Let's go have lunch. And uh, Buddy goes, well, we're going to go to this uh, Chinese restaurant that I love. So I'm thinking, it's Beverly Hills. It's going to be a Beverly Hills Chinese restaurant. And he goes, no, no, no. It's way downtown. And I'm thinking, what the fuck? This has got to be one of the best restaurants. If he's going to make me schlep downtown or Koreatown to a Chinese restaurant, like because Beverly Hills or, right. or, or the, you know, whatever, there's a million great Santa Monica. And I said, you know what? Let me just follow you there, Joey. And he's uh, uh, a buddy. He says, because I got to remind me of a Joey Bishop story. Uh-huh. He goes, you'll never be able to follow me. I drive too fast. He goes, let me give you the directions and you'll meet me there whenever you get there. And now I'm pissed. What do you mean I can't follow you? You drive too fast. So he goes to the bathroom to take a leak. I said, I'll meet you at the restaurant. And I run out the door. I said, I'm not going to let this prick beat me there. Okay. And I drove. As fast as I could. Wait, I can't follow you. You drive, what am I, a girl? So I get him a girl, and I drive to Koreatown, and I drive as fast as I can. I didn't care if I got a ticket. I want to beat him to the restaurant. And in L.A., I made every light. I went 80 miles an hour, and I get to the restaurant. Three seconds later, he pulls up behind me. I'm going, how fucking, he took a leak, and he's still there at the same time as me. This guy's a lunatic. <laughs> and I walk into the restaurant. I go, this place is going to be terrific. And I walk in, and there's pictures of Buddy Hackett all over the restaurant. And all the menu is beef and broccoli, wonton soup. It's the same shit you can get anywhere, <laughs> yeah. but it's a great restaurant because there's pictures of Buddy Hackett all over the joint. <laughs> Hilarious. I, I heard a Buddy Hackett story where Buddy Hackett was talking to one of his friends in the lobby of a Las Vegas uh, hotel, casino, and some young comic walks over and he goes, oh, Mr. Hackett, I I just, this is my big break. I'm doing a week in Vegas, and and I just started yesterday, and Hackett goes, oh, yeah, I saw you yesterday. You were really good, but let me give you some advice. Don't do a delivery. Just recite the jokes. Don't worry about it. Just recite them like you're reading them off the page. (laughs) And then he goes, oh, okay, I'll try that tonight. (laughs) And when he walks off, Buddy Hackett says to his friend, oh, he is going to bomb so bad. (laughs) (laughs) You know... 
you know, uh, you know, and I, I hate the bad about these guys because they're the guys that paved the way for us. But another guy, could even, you forgive him for Bud and Lou? What? <laughs> could you forgive oh, God, Bud? <laughs> Bud and Lou? <laughs> you know, you, you know who should have pay, played uh, Shecky? No, they should instead of Glenn Strange. They should have got Glenn Strange. <laughs> He would have been better. Glenn Strange would have been better. You know? And and Dwight Schrock. But you know who else was not a nice guy? And I hate to talk about these guys. Go ahead. It was Joey Bishop when I played him in the Rat Pack. Uh-huh. You know? Joey. You ever meet Joey? No, I never met. I heard he was a scumbag. The scumbag. The Rat oh, Pack yeah. movie on HBO, HBO. with you, Ray Liotta. Okay. So, so, so when I went to audition for that, okay, it was the only – I didn't get an acting coach because that's the only time I knew <laughs> Only time, and then Gilbert would not have got right. this part. He couldn't beat me for this part. A Joey big fat black guy, I could have lost him, but not Gilbert Godfrey. I could have seen they might want it with a black guy, but I'm not losing this to that fucking little Jew. It ain't gonna happen. So, so when I went to read for the part, Ray Liotta's 42 years old. I'm 42 years old. Frank Sinatra's 42 years old. Joey Bishop's 42 years old, and we all look like we're about 40 to 42 years old. So I went in to read, and they thought, well, Bobby might look a little too old for the part. And I go, what do you mean I'm too old? I look the same age as Ray Liotta. I know, well, I'm not a girl. I'm not, you know, uh, but I look pretty much the part, the age. So I said, well, have Bobby come back, but maybe he could dye his hair. Not only do I dye my hair, I get that Joey Bishop, my favorite Martian, medieval mad monk do that he had. Oh, Yes, yes, yes. I got that whole, okay, I got a shark skin suit, a skinny tie, and it wasn't that hard to do Joey Bishop because, you know, I never played a real person. You know, you pretty much played Gilbert. Who else did you yeah. play? Did you ever play a real what person, I, Gilbert? You never did. Except for Johnny Crunch, who was Gilbert. They should have yeah. told me before I spent $200. Which I got without paying $200 yeah. Yeah. to an I, acting why, why Did, you, did you ever play a real person? Uh, well, I was- In real life, you, he can't play a Lincoln. real person. You were Abraham Lincoln, Lincoln in right, a million ways to die in the West. the view. I was better than Daniel Day Lewis. I'm better than Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I feel okay. To become Joey Bishop, I'm going to go to the Museum of Broadcasting. And, you know, I'm thinking of like Robert De Niro and Raging Bull, gaining weight, learning how to box. I'm with Meryl Streep playing violin, taking a, getting a German accent. I am going to become Joey Bishop. And I, I took a sandwich and I got my little cubicle and I started watching Joey Bishop. And in five minutes ago, I fucking get this. You know, you talk like a little like, you know, Jackie Mason. Hey, it's me. Hey, Joe. Hey, Dean. Hey, Sammy. And I got it. So I go back in and I sound exactly like him. And I'm reading for the part. But I finally get the part, and I call up Joey, and you know he didn't think anybody could recreate the Rat Pack, and he said, "There's no way you're ever going to pull this off." And, you know, and it wasn't just me, but I could see they never consulted him. I Frank see. Sinatra just died. Dean Martin didn't want to have anything to do with it. So, and they never called Joey Bishop. And even though he wasn't really, you know, the fourth head on Showbiz Mount Rushmore, it was Dean, Sammy, and Frank. He was like Tito Jackson. He was Bobby Slayton. I was perfect for this part. And Joey just was not nice. I invited him to the premiere and he'd be a real prick. But you know what? He did send me an 8 by 10 saying, someday, hopefully, I can play you in a movie. But what was really creepy when we did that movie, and you, you, me, come on, you love showbiz, you know, Vegas lore. Sure, sure. I'm thinking, okay, I get this part in the Rat Pack. We're going to go to Vegas and shoot this movie with an audience out there. But as you know, when you're shooting scenes with audiences, rarely are there audiences. Yeah. There's nobody out there. You're just shooting it on a soundstage. When I did Ed Wood, there were no people out there. Dreamgirls, when I introduced Eddie Murphy, there were a few people out there. But we couldn't shoot anything in Vegas because there was nothing in Vegas that was – 
anything like the old Vegas. You know, the old Vegas, everything, you know, everything took place in 1960 at the Sands Hotel. Remember that cylindrical tower and that iconic Sands, the sure, place of the sure. sun, yeah. which the amazing Colossal Man destroyed. That's yes, correct. Remember, yes. he destroyed. That's why we couldn't get it. He destroyed it. That's See, correct. I tied this whole show in with... Beautifully with, done. Beautifully off the top of my head, that's how good I am. <laughs> um, but the amazing colossal man, this, that that sign's long gone. But I'll give you another piece of trivia. We couldn't find anything in Vegas, so the producers couldn't find anything in Vegas to shoot because there was nothing that resembled the old Vegas. So they had a stock shot of that famous Sands Tower. The movie took place in 1960 when Kennedy got elected. That tower wasn't built till '62. So even that. Another gaff. Another gaff. And tell us about the ambassador. Oh my God! Shooting. You want to hear a great story, Gilbert? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Darry, get some more Johnny Crunch. How many more Rondo hats? Get some more Johnny Crunch info. Do you have okay. a boring, mediocre story you can tell no, us? This is, I don't want this is, it's, this is Don't creepy. waste a great story. No, this is a creepy story. <laughs> a creepy. So do you remember, okay. Gilbert, ever going to the Ambassador Hotel in in L.A.? It was the hotel where they had the Academy Awards for eight years. The Coconut Grove was there. Yeah, Merv Griffin, I think, yeah. I think, didn't he buy it or something? They had the Coconut Grove. The Academy Awards were the, done there in the 30s and 40s. Marilyn Monroe lived there, Ruta Valentino, and they used it for many, many years to shoot movies in. So we're shooting the Rat Pack scenes in the hotel. The hotel is so seedy, it's gone to shit, and I'm walking around the hotel because, you know, things are crumbling. It's like New York. I walked by today, the subway bar I used to go to. It's closed right across the street from Bloomingdale's. I mean, oh, yeah, that was a landmark. It was a landmark. Yeah, great bar. And they're closing more of those places. Remember when we were kids? The luncheonettes, the diners. Oh, they're yeah. all yes. gone. And this was one of those places in L.A. that, you know, you walk around and it's, it's iconic. And, you know, so everything was closed up in that hotel except for the the lobby, which they were shooting stuff in, and the coffee shop, which they used for, to do movies. So we're shooting a scene in the Ambassador Hotel of John Kennedy's inauguration party. Frank Sinatra and Peter Lawford were owners of Puccini's Restaurant in Beverly Hills. And when Kennedy got elected, they had a big party. So they recreated the scene of me and Ray and Don Cheadle and a big Rat Pack party in Puccini's, which was taking place in the Ambassador Hotel. So during the breaks, I would wander around the hotel and everything saying, sir, you can't go there. You can't go here. Everything's closed off. And I walk into the kitchen where Robert Kennedy got assassinated. Yeah, in the pantry, when he, right. We got assassinated yeah. in the pantry. Yeah. And, the, and, the, and the Mexican busboy was holding up his head. We've all seen that picture, you know, when he's dying. So here we are. It's not lost on me that here we are celebrating a scene where one brother is getting elected, where in reality, 30 feet away, there's a little X on the pavement in this cold pantry. And I'm not one of these big ghost guys, but it was really fucking creepy. And this woman comes up from behind me because I work for the hotel. Yeah, that's where he got shot. And that's where Saran Saran came out of. And that was the, you know, when he said, let's move on. We won California. And, you just, and Rosie Greer. Yeah, Rosie him. Greer. Yeah. And she goes, that's a dumb waiter. They put him in as he's dying. And it was just creepy. So she says to me, you want to see the rest of the hotel? I said, sure. So she takes me down this hallway and we get in this elevator and you know it has not been inspected for 50 years. And I'm going, you know, this rickety, it looks like <laughs> Berlin after the Blitzkrieg. And, you know, it was, there were the rats and she takes me up to the top floor and she walks me into a suite. And the hotel, it was like the shining. I want to see the dead twins with the blood coming down <laughs> right, yeah. any moment now. She <laughs> takes me into a suite and it was peeling snakeskin wallpaper. She said, Sammy Davis lived here towards the end of his life. And in the middle of the living room, 
was a little stage. And I go, what is this? She goes, I don't know. I mean, it was a stage. Because Sammy was obviously, I don't know, he's still performing. He had people coming over. Because, you know, and you realize that Sammy Davis was like the ultimate entertainer. I mean, Michael Jackson, not to take anything away from that guy, but Sammy Davis wrote the book on tap dancing, on playing drums. And, and Don Cheadle, who played Sammy in that movie, learned how to play drums. I played drums in high school. I was never good, but I played. And Cheadle got me on the drums, and he's playing. I go, how long have you been doing that? He goes, about three weeks. And they, they, I don't think they even showed him playing the drums. But that's the consummate, ultimate actor, that he learned how to play drums and tap dance to become... And that's why he won an Academy Award, and that's why I'm doing this stupid podcast. Hey, listen. Okay, now here's, here's my problem. <laughs> that's a great ending. With that movie where, you know, whenever there's like a black joke, they have a close-up on Don Cheadle looking like oh. tears are welling up in his eyes oh. as Sammy. And I'm thinking, Sammy probably didn't give a fly. No, he fun. did, though. No, he, he did? did. Yeah, if you because I read every single wow. book ever written and every documentary because I've always been fascinated by the whole Rat Pack era and that all those guys. He was haunted. He couldn't play down south. He married a white woman. Oh, yeah, my Brit. Oh, my yeah. Brit. Yeah. And, 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 you know, uh, uh, Joe Kennedy, who was a Nazi, that prick, you know, Kennedy's father, yep. well, you know, oh, barred him scumbag. from the wedding. And Frank Sinatra, you know, Frank Sinatra was the one, because, you know, Sinatra could be a bully. If you read about the oh, guy, yeah. he could be a horrible man. He punched somebody out and then he'd tip you $200. <laughs> you know, he was an <laughs> asshole. You know, it's Frank Sinatra's world that you were living in. And, but he wouldn't play these hotels unless a black guy could walk through the front door. And he was great about that, you know? So Sammy actually was upset. Oh, big, big time. You know, if he, of course he was upset. He's married to a white woman. He was. Uh, no, I mean, I understand the stuff in real didn't life. did he date Kim Novak? But, but I mean, they're joking yeah. on stage. Yeah. Like of Dean and Frank. Right. What, was he? No, I don't think he was upset about no, that. No, see, oh, that's yeah, what yeah. they show in the movie. Like, they're making jokes about him. Oh, no, no, no. I don't, and, I don't, I don't yeah. think he cared about that. Yeah. No, I, no, I heard that he actually loved that. Here's, here's the award, the NAACP. They yeah, did yeah, yeah, yeah. That's famous. To show you what an asshole I am and how I can't act, and to show you why Don Cheadle is an Academy Award winner, we're shooting a scene. And it's a famous Rat Pack. You know, they do the routine where they, they roll out the liquor cart. Yeah. And then Dean, like I said, Sammy jumps in his arm. I like to thank the NAACP. And then they, they walk out of their underwear. Right? Remember yeah. that? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And they have the drinks. Yeah. Okay. So me and Sammy Davis, Don Cheadle, are supposed to walk out in a minute. And Cheadle says to me, now he's in character. He said, what are they doing out there? What's going on? What are they doing? And he's saying this to me as Sammy. I go, it's in the script. They're in their underwear. And I'm asking him as Bobby Slater, <laughs> which again, why he won an Academy Award. And I'm paying $200 to get a Gilbert Godfrey hey, part. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I, I, what, do you mean, what are they doing? I don't think I got the wrong script. I'm on the wrong page. I'm a moron. Now, I heard a story. Maybe you're familiar with this, where Frank and Dean beat up the chairman of Hunt's Foods. Oh, I never heard this. Yeah. That he was, like, celebrating with another couple, like, their kids were getting married, and Frank and Dean, bombed out of their skulls, were being loud and raucous, and he asked them if they could hold it down a little, and and they, they beat the shit out of this guy, and he crashed through a glass coffee table, and was, was never, he was in a coma, for a while, I, and never press charges, which makes it even creepier. Well, I've heard this Sam story. Had it. But you know what, though? 
what they did was wrong. But if you ever have their catsup, I liked Heinz, and I would go to restaurants. And they'd have that, they'd have that Hunt's ketchup, which is a yeah. I could see where yeah. I'd be a little pissed at the guy. Is the ambassador all gone now, Bob? Yes. Is it all boarded and Donald up? Trump, that prick, was going to buy it, and they they were trying to save it and preserve it because half of it was going to be a school. And I think they preserved a little piece of it, but most of it they tore down. And it was really horrible because it was one of those great yeah, places. the landmark. You know, I never all, went. Yeah, all those places. You know, when they did that movie Sunset Boulevard, you know, with Norma Desmond. Oh, yeah. That house was – and if you're familiar – we are familiar with L.A., both of you. Sure. It was right on the corner of uh, Wilshire and right in Westwood, which is now a giant parking right. lot or a – but it, the fact that these giant homes were in these places. Yeah. Well, when I got out there, everything was gone. Chasen's was gone and, and Nicodell's was gone. The Coconut Grove Nicodell was, was gone. Great. Nicodell, Nicodell was great. Nicodell was next to the Paramount. Paramount, yeah. And, Musa yeah. and Franks is still there. You yeah. know, I remember when they tore down uh, when they tore down Chases. You know, it wasn't known for its great food later on, and it was old Hollywood. You yeah. know, Reagan died. Yeah, know. You know, and all these old farts, and everybody wants to go to the hip places. Hey, there's a Kardashian. You know, and the Derby yeah. was gone. The and, Derby yeah. was gone. The only thing that's left, I think, is Musso's. It's Musso's. There's nothing else left in that town. Yeah, and, and it, it's it's almost like New York. It's just so horrible. You know, when I when I go to these cities, and you know, when my daughter would, I take her to New York, I'd walk by the Grill building, and you know, next to Caroline's used to be oh, Hawaii yeah. Kai, that tiki bar. Oh, I love yeah. those places. That, and Colony Music. Colony what Music is it forever. Gone. Goes back to Tin Pan Alley. God. Broke my heart when it closed. Really, my heart re- really did. And I remember there was a Howard Johnson's on the corner, but all those places, and I never used to go to them, so I'm as guilty as anybody. For that. And then when the people find out these places are closing, they all start to go. Palisades Amusement Park swings all day swings and, after and after dark. Howard Johnson's in Times Square. So remember that? Yeah, sure. Most Rancid smelling men's room. <laughs> I mean, but they had the you, clam strips. You would, you would <laughs> feel <laughs> the smell yeah. on yeah. you. Yeah. The yeah. smell would press down on you. You can yeah. see if you watch Sweet Smell of Success or all those movies since Times Square in the oh, 60s, yes. you always see that neon Howard Johnson sign. Uh, and it's it, sad. It, so much of it's gone. It's sad. You know, the Metropole they closed, which yep. is a really high-class strip joint from like the 1920s and 30s. They just and closed the, ver- the, the coffee shop in the Empire Hotel. It had been there forever. They closed it? Yeah. Finally? Yeah. And the variety place from the you know the 1920s when they showed silent movies yep. down on I think, First or Second Avenue. Yep. And, the old and, Jewish theater. You know, and it's it's the one thing that we all got to to grow up with was those cool places in New York, and you know our parents and grandparents really saw them, and, and you still got Yona Schimmels, and you still got Russ and Daughters, and you still got Cats, and, but how, how when they close the stage deli, you know, even the Ziegfelds in trouble, which is really heartbreaking because it's oh, the God. last great New York movie theater. Yeah, it's pretty horrible. It's now, pretty horrible. now you you are friends with Woody Allen and Sid Caesar. Well, Sid Caesar's dead, so we're not friends anymore. Yeah, but you, you hung, you hung but with you Sid. Call him well, Carl Reiner is more of a friend. Not even a friend. I, but I, you I, talk to them. If I had to move, I wouldn't say, "Hey, can you help me?" Uh, yeah. If I need to borrow money, I call you before I call them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's how That's friendly desperate. we are. You know, Woody. You know, it's it's you know it's interesting. I I have, but by the way. The next time we do these comedian dinners, you have to come to one. Yeah. Will you come? Okay. With Woody. Yeah. Oh. You, you'll come, won't you? I wanted yeah. to invite you. I invited you to the last one. I, 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 I think I had, um, you were out of town. I looked at your website. You were out of town. We, here's what happened with Woody Allen. A friend of mine, a buddy of mine is uh, good friends with Woody, and he's got this really amazing house right on the Upper East Side. And uh, it's like a half a city block. He's got money. He's friends with Woody. And um, 
So I'm playing in Florida about three or four years ago. And he comes to my show because he also has a home in Florida. And he says to me, uh, Woody Allen's a fan of yours. I go, Woody Allen? He goes, yeah, Woody comes over to my house for dinner a lot. He goes, he's coming over next Friday. And I said, he's coming over next Friday. Now, first of all, I'm, I'm on the road all the time. And I wasn't on the road next, that following Friday. And I was going back to L.A. And I said, if I fly out to New York, can I come to your house? I would never invite myself to somebody's house. But have dinner with Woody Allen. I said, can I fly out and have dinner with you and Woody? He goes, sure. I go, why don't you ask Woody first? He goes, no, no, no. He's coming to my house. I go, well, who's coming to dinner? He goes, me, Woody, and his wife. And I said, well, it's kind of creepy. <laughs> you it's a lot of Woody. pressure, too. It's a lot of pressure. And I, I said to my wife and I said to a couple of friends, should I fly all the way? I'm, I'm coming up from the West Palm Improv. Should I fly back five days later? And Gilbert, like you, I'm going, this ticket's going to cost me a fortune. I'm not going yes. don't, to, I don't get a year in advance. I know you buy your tickets. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, I, I can't even get a 21-day advance purchase. Uh, and so I, I got a good deal on a ticket and I... And I, my friend said, I'll even put you up in a hotel. Come back. And I go, I, you know what? I, I, I can't pass this up. So I went to dinner with Woody and his wife. And I said, I'm not going to ask him about his movies. I don't really give a rat's ass about the Knicks. I know he's a sports fan. But I know that Woody likes jazz. And I like the blues. And we'll talk about that. But when I started out in San Francisco in the 70s, Woody, even though he's a New York guy, started out in the 60s. You know, And he started out, you know, the Purple Onion, the Hungry Eye. Hungry Eye. So it was also, he was also kind of a San Francisco comic, along with the Smothered Brothers, Phyllis Diller, Jonathan Winters, of course, Lenny Bruce and Mort Saul. And we had a lot of mutual friends because when those people all died or moved on, we went to the same restaurants. We know, so you know, it was. We sat there, and Sunyi doesn't talk a lot. Woody doesn't talk a lot. My friend Jeff doesn't talk a lot. So I'm going. Well, I'm going to have to do all the talking here. Anyway, <laughs> it went great. And before you know it, it's a three-hour dinner. And I, you know, Woody once he gets to know you, really likes to. He's like Gilbert. Gilbert's very shy. But if you know Gilbert, which nobody does, but if they did, <laughs> he would true. talk. I hear he would talk. His wife said, That's "True." He, he, <laughs> I liked him better when he didn't talk. Yeah. What did you guys talk about? Did you talk about the old San Francisco clubs in the old San days? Francisco they clubs. talked about me the whole time. But anyway, so we had a we had a three other and Woody's a very, really great, relaxed man and, and you know, we, we talked about the Marx brothers a lot and Charlie Chaplin and Harold That's Lloyd. Great. And he's like because he's such a big fan of, of, of those people. And we talked about the Marx Brothers movies and about comedy and the fact that I'm friends with Carl Reiner and it's weird because he hasn't talked to Carl in so many years. And they all work together. They were so, writers on a staff. They together. were writers. Yeah. He wrote. I go. Have you talked to Mel Brooks? He was not in twenty, thirty years. And I just talked to Tommy Smothers, and Tommy Smothers said to me, "Tell Woody I said hello." And they hadn't talked in years, so I don't know. You know, Woody's so busy writing all these movies and directing every. That's all he does is write and direct movies. And I told him I was writing a book. And I remember saying to him, uh, you know, I'm writing a book, and if not for my iPad, I don't know how I do this. He goes, you like that iPad? I go, yeah. You know, he still writes every movie on a, the typewriter. Oh, the manual typewriter, manual not even an electric typewriter. typewriter. Yeah. And I'm thinking, how do you even find ribbons? He said to me, and I can't believe this is true, but this is what Woody told me. He said, I have this guy come over, and he goes, he's not really that friendly with him anymore, but he's the only guy that really knows how to change your ribbons on my typewriter. You would think for 50 years, Woody would have that down, you know? And I don't even know where you get typewriter ribbons, but he gets them and he's still typing. Anyway, so we had this dinner and Woody's not, you know, really in character and I must have gotten up to pee four or five times because I'm 60. I must have knocked off a bottle of wine and Woody never got up to pee one time. And as we're leaving, 
you know, I said to him, you know, it's amazing to me. You're this old. You, you're drinking two or three beers. You didn't get to pee once during dinner. And that's when he became Woody Allen. That's one of my attributes. I don't pee. So he had such a good time. And my friend calls me up and goes, Woody had a great time. We got to do this again with some other comedians. You know any other comedians? And I go, well, you know, put together comedians. First of all, I'm, I'm an L.A. guy. And I, I, I come to New York. I go, you know, I, I, am, I know Chris Rock. I kind of know Gilbert. I don't really hang out with these people. He goes, well, see who can get over. So I, you know, I did, for everybody to be in town at the same time. So I put together another dinner. And Louis Black happened to be in town. And David Brenner in town and still alive at the time. And so I invite those two guys over, and Woody brings over Dick Cavett, who we also grew up with. Yeah. You know, and these guys are friends since they were 20, and yeah. they both love magic. Sure. And in the middle of dinner, David Blaine shows up. And after dinner, David Blaine starts showing us magic tricks. Now, to shut up Dick Cavett, me, and Louis Black, and David Brenner for 45 minutes to do magic tricks, it was one of those magical little, it was just great. So then we did it again. I think Jackie Martling, Jay Thomas came over, Nick DiPaolo, and... My friend said, you got to invite over Gilbert, and you were out of town. By the way, by the way, to tell your wife, because I know she'd like to go, it's no women. It's just guys. It's just guys. But I saw my friend Jeff today, and I go, I'm doing Gilbert's podcast. He goes, you got to have Gilbert over next time we do a dinner. I said, Gilbert's not coming over without his wife, or he won't talk. He needs somebody he knows. That's <laughs> interpreter. He, he kind of knows it. You got to, Darryl, you got to pass. He comes with Marley Matlin's interpreter. You'll make Gilbert talk. You'll poke him. You'll do what you have to do. you slip up somebody. You'll make him talk. Gil, you got to go. Yeah. But I brought my wife last time, and uh, it was great. You know, we're just hanging out with these these guys. These Because there's not a lot of them left, you know? Yeah, true. We had Cabot on the show. He was great. He's great, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, the before best. he passed away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He wasn't Jewish. <laughs> no, 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 definitely not. As Jewish. we're winding down, Bob, you want to tell Gilbert about? Uh, you want to talk some... about either the Gong Show or being on Sandy Becker when oh you God, were a kid? Well, Sandy Becker. Yeah, I heard Sandy Becker hated kids, and I don't think anybody. <laughs> Do you was... know? I saw Sandy Becker in some interview, like on Channel Thirteen or something, where I couldn't believe what a pretentious prick he sounded like. You know, he was one of those guys, though. If you look back at the few kinescopes that are still around, you know, Norton, Nork, and all these things oh, he did. Yeah. If you yeah. go to my website, not that anybody cares, bobbyslayton.com, there's a picture of me with, I don't know if you remember this, but in about 1959, before he did the Norton, Nork, and he had Shotzi the dog, he would interview two kids. And he would, I sing Popeye the Sailor Man, and he would show cartoons for half an hour. And it was a WNEW. I remember seeing the Doobie and the Dopey in a romper room. Oh, yeah. That was a big thing when you're five. And I heard years later that Sandy Becker didn't like kids. He had a collection of German guns and Lugers, which is fine. Another one, Nazi stuff. Um, but Andy Kaufman, when I met him one night at the Improv in L.A., we're talking about Howdy Doody. You know, Andy was, you know, Andy. And I told him I was on the Sandy Becker show, and I heard he didn't like children. I heard that from a lot of people, that he hated being Sandy Becker. And Andy almost started crying. What do you mean? What do you mean? I thought he was kidding, but he wasn't kidding. Like, people think you're kidding, but you're not kidding. <laughs> he does hate children. Is that really Gilbert? Oh, by the way, before we go, here's one thing I do have to tell you. Here's what we have to end with. 
I've been married to the same woman for 27 years, and my wife is gorgeous. And I have a beautiful daughter, Natasha. And your daughter's in the business, too, My daughter's in the business. I didn't even get to tell you the story about how when she was an actress at nine, she was at Universal Studios, and I would go to the tapings. She had her own parking spot at nine years old at Universal, and we'd walk over to the Psycho House, and we'd sit on the steps, and she'd go over her lines on Norman Bates' house, and then we'd walk down to the Transylvania Square, and I'd go home, and I'd show her the movie where the father's carrying Maria's body. I said, we were there, too. Today. We were there today, <laughs> Natasha. And I said, someday you're going to appreciate this. And she loved it. And I took her to stage 28 where they filmed Phantom of the Opera. And the, you know, the thing about Universal cool. is there's a few little things left, but you know what? It's almost like New York. You go to stage 28 oh. and you walk in there. And I walked in there with my daughter and I, I went to the Abbott and Costello stage and I walked into stage 28 and I said, this is where they shot the Phantom of the Opera, I think in 1920-whatever. I think it's stage 28. And you walk in there and you go, I think they were doing a Jamie Kennedy movie. I go, fuck, this is, this is really... <laughs> Jamie Kennedy. Yeah, that was like going to Auschwitz and seeing, <laughs> seeing graffiti. On the, I, you go to a Jewish cemetery and see it defaced. I felt like I was in a Jewish cemetery at Bitburg with his Nazi soldiers. And you know, but but it was like God. This was. I I remember being at a studio, and I don't think it was even Columbia. I don't know, but I well, was the at Stooges. a studio. Yeah, yeah with the no. Stooges. Well, you know, we were doing a show, and the, they said that the Stooges used to do their shorts there. Yeah, that's probably Columbia, which is now Sony yeah, Picture. Poverty Row. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's you. You go over there's a school right there where Alfalfa and Spanky went to school. That was, but 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 anyway, what I was going to tell you. I Amazingly, know we go. the Stooges were Jewish. Yeah, oh, really? Who what is that? We know. Get that out. By the way, they don't look it. One of one of the funniest things ever. You know, I look back at a lot of the Stooges, and I'm still a major Stooges fan. What always pissed me off is when you watch Ghostbreakers with Bob Hope, which was great, and it was always disappointing as a kid because we all love Martin and Lewis. Uh-huh. When they did Scared Stiff, it could have been so much scarier. It could have been Abbott and Costello and Frankenstein, and it wasn't. But to this day, one of the things that still makes me laugh, and I saw it, and I wasn't stoned. I don't smoke pot anymore. <laughs> but the, the greatest thing is when the Bowery Boys or the Stooges or Hold That Ghost. When they went to a haunted house. Oh, hold that oh, ghost. Yeah. Boys with, the, the with the money in Moose's head. Right. Oh, but one of the greatest things ever was the Three Stooges when they're in that haunted house and the parrot walks into the skull and starts flying around. Yes. The flying it's great. skull. It's great. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It still makes me laugh. And even my daughter, when she was seven, goes, what are you, an idiot? <laughs> even my daughter. <laughs> this guy, the flying parrot skull. I love it. What that. do you want to close with? Sammy Petrillo? Oh, no. No, no. Here's what I want to tell you. Yeah. Oh, God. No, what I wanted to say was, I got a beautiful wife and a beautiful daughter, and for years, people have said to me, every time they meet my wife, how is she married to you? How have you stayed married so long? They see pictures of my daughter and go, how did you give birth to this? How is your family so talented? And the only person that's taught me in that world is you. It's Gilbert Gottfried. It's how is, first of all, that was, it's how is this man married? You, you can be married to Ruth Gordon. And they go, she married him? Ruth, Ruth, Ruth Gordon. Bussie, any woman named Ruth married him. And you had this beautiful wife and two gorgeous kids. You go, what the fuck is wrong with this picture? I am nothing compared to this Alice guy. Alice Ghostly. But now people say to me, people in the business who know Gilbert or see pictures of his family, when people say to me, your wife's beautiful, your kid's beautiful. Well, you're I, not exactly the elephant man. You're, you're an attractive fellow. No, no, well, they no, shouldn't no, say that about don't try you. To make 
it's just better than it is. Okay. <laughs> but it's not, I'm not talking about being ugly, but thank you, Frank. I'm talking about just being a monster. I'm talking about the fact that the jokes I say about my wife oh. and the things I've done about her is horrendous. And it's amazing that I can stay married this long. And anytime anybody points out, I go, what about Gilbert? They go, oh, oh, oh yeah. Okay. Well, he's actually beat me. He's actually beat me in the world. His children are beautiful. Yeah. His yeah. wife? What, what yes. about his wife? His wife, his wife is beautiful, too. Yeah, but they're obviously insane. Okay. But anyway. <laughs> But he's beat me in that world. You want to go out on an insult. Yeah, Yeah, of course. I'm the pimple of comedy. (laughs) We'll be doing part two, so we haven't even touched. Look at all the stuff I haven't got. What do you got on your list? Tell us. No, no, I didn't get to the gong show. We never talked about, oh, my God, the Pink Panther. We'll we'll, we'll We'll do this again. Sammy. We didn't get to Sammy Petrillo. Yeah, I didn't really have anything about Sam and Patrol. But, right. But, but, oh or, or famous monsters of Filmland. Or... Oh, there was so much more. I had the greatest collection of of The Creature from the Black Lagoon, one of the world's Rico Browning. biggest collection uh, of, of stuff. Um, Next time, we'll yeah, talk about it. Yeah, it was just... I, I, have to, I have to tell this to Gilbert. I was talking on the phone with you yesterday. I found it, and you mentioned it here, I found it very strange that Plan 9 scared you as a kid. Because looking at it now... Uh, no, I'm sure. Gilbert what was the other one you said? Horror Hotel? Horror Hotel, which yeah. actually I just did some research on. Horror Hotel. Do you remember Horror Hotel with Christopher Lee? It took yeah. place in, in, in Massachusetts, in the Salem, you know, and, and, and they, they, they actually had a sacrifice in the movie. It was black and white. It was, it was atmospheric. It was done in 1960. Do you remember the movie? Sure. Not it was that real. Well. These yeah. people check into the hotel. And underneath is a covenant of witches, and they kill this woman. And at the end, uh, uh, Selwyn, whatever her name is, they burn her at the stake. When you're 10 years old, it, that's really a beautiful, scary film. Is Christopher Lee in that? Christopher Lee, yeah. He plays the head of the coven and a head witch guy. But what's interesting is you Google Horror Hotel. The movie is actually called City of the Dead. It was an English film, but it took place in Massachusetts. And the reason, and this is IMDb, is that mm-hmm. me? The reason they changed the name to Horror Hotel, because in the 50s and early 60s, they said American audiences, teenagers, wanted stupid names for movies. And Horror Hotel would bring them in. City of the Dead wouldn't do it. So they, they did it to placate the stupid American audiences and call a movie Horror Hotel. You know? What movie really scared you, Gil, as a kid? I know the, we talked Claire about scenes. Didn't scare, it didn't scare you, Frank? Yeah. No, well, I think I saw it too late. I think I was too okay. old. But we, you talked about those isolated scenes in Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Oh but yeah. Was there any? There. Were there any that really, really gave you the creeps? Oh, I don't remember. Do you know what I remember scared me? That wasn't a horror movie. But when I was a kid, they had that movie Caged about oh. the women's prison. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and okay. when they grab her and are shaving her head bald. Oh, that was a. Uh... And that's Susan Hayward. That's how I don't. Uh, I want to live. live. That's how I want to live. Yeah. yeah, that that I was like, Ooh. really? Yeah. What <laughs> okay. the hell? Okay. Yeah. I would have gone for Carnival of Souls. Oh yeah. yeah. That that's a, a creepy movie. Yeah. Seriously creepy. Oh oh, the best one though. The one that really scared me and my daughter. And you got to show this to your kids. Was not William Castle. Why don't you go House on Haunted Hill? Oh yeah. Um, uh, you know, uh, that's a castle film. Is a castle? Yeah. With, the, with Elijah Cook Jr., with the blood dripping from the ceiling, and Vincent Price, and the skeleton, he takes the vat of acid. Right. And his wife falls into the vat, and, uh, and that woman on the wheels, remember? Oh, yes, yeah. yes. I used to do that to my daughter, you know, that, that, that woman, that old lady, the caretaker. I think the most frightening thing in the. Scared the hell out of me. I think Corman's Pit in the Pendulum was pretty creepy. That's pretty scary. Too. All those... I I saw Night of the Living Dead. Me too. The Late original. At night. And I, the Waverly Friday. Theater. 
and and oh, it was oh, like wow. they'd have midnight shows yes. of it. The old Waverly. And that yes. that film scared me that was back f- then. That was a beautiful piece of work. And that's why, if you look at Romero's stuff, you know, that paved the way. There's too much zombie crap now. Oh, it's, 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 it's horrible. I used to love the zombie movies of Horror. Night of the Living. Dawn of the Dead was okay. great. Uh, that yeah. walked with a zombie. I walked with a zombie and the Catwoman. Yeah. Now Beautiful it's stuff. like idiotic. Idiotic. Yeah. Idiotic. And even even now I look back at some of these movies and you know what your most idiotic thing ever? And my daughter pointed this out. It's another thing. And I, I, I did this in my act. But I had done it before she pointed it out. That's how we think of like at the end of Bride of Frankenstein. He goes, we belong dead. Oh, yeah. Right. And he pulls the switch to Blood <laughs> the Castle. Gilbert used to do why that is, act. Why, <laughs> I used to do my act too. Why is there a switch to Blood <laughs> the Castle? Why do you even yeah. have that switch? Yeah. What is that for? Yeah. On, off, blow up castle? Yeah. Hey, check the air conditioning. <laughs> Don't blow up the castle. You pull it. What, what is that for? What do you need that for? Yeah. I, I, I always said, well, the guy who built the castle said, you want to live it or blow it up? I could throw it in. <laughs> yeah. And that shows you why women have let us down on every level. You bring some fucking broad back to life. And she still won't put out. You give her, you let her live in a castle. You bring her back to life, and she still won't put out. Uh, next time we'll talk about all the other stuff on your list. I get so much more stuff. All right, don't you yeah. do a big ending? Yeah, you sing, you sing a song. You're out. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, we don't sing a song. There's just one place for me, and that's near you. <laughs> That's what I want to do. Our fans actually love it when he sings. He'll sing obscure theme songs. Last last week was the... What? What was that from? Milton Berle. Houston. Last week he sang the theme from the life and times of Judge Roy Bean. Yeah. (laughs) Marmalade, molasses, and honey, cinnamon, and sassafras tea. I know our lives could be so happy and sunny if you'd go away with me. I know. I'd really <laughs> like to do head for the hills, the hills with you. You know what's amazing? I've grew up with the Beatles. I must have heard yesterday a billion times. Uh-huh. I can't remember more than one line from that. <laughs> I know. Or any stone song. I remember the theme from the Lords of Flatbush. I mean, real weird shit. Remember Bang the Drum Slowly with De Niro? Yes, he remember yeah. the friggin' song from the, uh, that they, they, what is it? They perform it yeah, on a TV yeah. station? Please excuse my tears, but I've been on the road to the greatest hits of Gilbert Gottfried. And I find no <laughs> consolation here. Oh my God, I'm exhausted from this. No. <laughs> that's, that's me, not you. Can we do that to our guests? And yeah, Lords of Light, hey, hey. What do you say? Looks like it's gonna be a very fine day. My girl is with me today. You got a song in you, Bob? Yeah. No, I'm 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 emotionally spent. I'm drained. I I know the actual. See, I sang the uh, David Pomerantz song. That's right, to Greg Evergreen from Zap. <laughs> but the one that was performed by a group called Plain Jane. If they ever actually really existed outside this film, the actual theme song to Zapped 
was something's happening to me. Where is that quiet kid I used to be? Not long ago, one I used to know. You know, what's a famous saying? I think Fred Astaire once said it. I'm not sure. Leave him wanting more. Yeah. It's way too late for that, isn't it? Yeah, We've too. gone way beyond. beyond that. I'm just giving the fans what they I'm, want. I'm, I'm looking at my notes going, what can I end with? They go, don't drag this out anymore. Yeah. You know? Bring it, bring it these, to Vorky and just put it out of his people misery. have to go Wait. home. No, my, my phrase is, is leave them where they don't want to listen to the podcast ever again. <laughs> he doesn't Great. have to do it. I'm, I'm the one responsible for this. Great. Yeah, we'll blame it on you. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. Thanks for having so, me, guys. This has been You're Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast. I'm Gilbert Gottfried, and I'm here with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre at Nutmeg Post. And we've been talking to Bobby Slater. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Frank Verderosa. Thank you, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> 